I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Visit The Dark Verse at thedarkverse.com. You can download all of the past episodes on the stories page. You can also submit your email address to me so you can stay in the loop. You can also go to sharkchild.com if you want to go to my kind of main hub website. From there, you can go to my Facebook page and fan me, or you can go to my Twitter page, or you can go to my Amazon Connect page. You can also view my YouTube video for the book. And if you want to buy the book, the hardcover volume one of The Dark Verse, you can buy that at sharkchildsremains.com. The story in this episode is a little bit different than usual, and because of that I feel that it's really raw, like I didn't have enough time to go through it and, and, uh, you know, clean it up, but I'm just, I'm kind of delirious right now, so I'm just putting it out as it is, and you're going to have to take it for what it is, and basically what I did with this story is made it completely of dialogue and I haven't really done that with a story before I mean it's not all dialogue but I would say 90% of it is dialogue or told through dialogue of one of the characters in the story so I mean you'll listen to it and you'll have your own opinion but hopefully it will be a good one and if it is good please give the dark verse a rating on iTunes Okay, this is episode 48 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled, Severing the Lost. I once had a best friend. I like to call her Dime. The name came to me when I found a dime in my pocket during a time of need. She was always there for me. She was the dime in my pocket. Our relationship was brilliant. We shared secrets, experiences, and adventures. Dime was one of those friends that childhood memories revolved around. It was not until our sophomore year in college that we were ever separated for more than two weeks since we met each other in preschool. Dime had been accepted into a study abroad program. I applied for the same program was not accepted. She refused to go without me, but I convinced her that it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Hesitantly, she decided to go, and so Dime vanished from my life for a year to live in a faraway land. I remember vividly the day we were reunited. After a year of only letters, I was bursting with anticipation while I waited for her at the airport by her arrival gate. And when her plane landed, person after person walked by me, but none were dime. Soon the crowd had dispersed and I was left waiting at an empty gate. I checked with the nearby desk and they confirmed dime's occupancy on the flight. 
For a moment, I was rather confused. Then I asked if I could be accompanied inside the plane to see if she was still there. A flight attendant was contacted, and she came out to greet me. Hi there. The flight attendant welcomed me with a smile. Follow me. It must be your friend that's still on the plane. We've tried talking with her, but she won't say anything. Hopefully you can help us. We need to clear the plane as soon as possible. I hope she's okay, I said. Yes, we do too, the flight attendant responded. I knew it was done before I even had both of my eyes on her. I could recognize her black, curly hair from anywhere. Dime, I rejoiced. I ran to where she was sitting and embraced her with a warm hug. She did not respond. What's going on? I asked her. I can't, Dime said without looking me in the eyes. Can't what? Greet your best friend? Dime did not reply. Just tell me what's going on, I pleaded. Dime still did not reply. You know I'm not going anywhere. I haven't seen you for a year. Come on, I pleaded. Again, there was no reply. Dime kept her head turned to the side. Come on, I said again, placing my hands slightly beneath her jaw on her neck. Emotion then began to well up inside of her eyes. She could not hold her feelings back any longer, and my presence was eating away at her wall. It was as if she stayed in the plane because she knew I would be there. I'm sorry to interrupt, the flight attendant spoke, but we really need to clear the plane. We both ignored the demand. I then turned Dime's face towards mine, and while I did, I felt something strange beneath her chin. It was very similar to the clasped metal teeth joined by a zipper. My expression turned into one of puzzlement. Dime noticed and changed her demeanor suddenly, as if she had a rush of courage. I did not get to inquire further about her neck before she spoke. Come on, let's go. I'll tell you everything. This is what Dime told me as we walked out of the terminal and waited at the baggage claim. This last year has been strange. Seems like it's been so much longer than a year. Bad food, bad weather, I've really been a complete mess. Meeting the family I stayed with wasn't all that bad, but there was something about the place that was unsettling. It wasn't the home I was living in or anything like that. It was the whole town, the whole culture. I never wanted to tell you any of this. I wanted you to think that I was having the time of my life. But I was miserable. I wanted nothing more than to just be back at college with you. I got into a lot of trouble with my teachers. I wasn't doing my work. I was basically dragging my nails the whole way. I didn't want anything to do with the school there. I hated my teachers, the other students. I hated the whole thing. With the free time I had, I frequented a couple different bars. I got wasted every night and woke up feeling disgusting every morning. It was a pitiful routine, and so unlike me. It seemed like the only good time I had was when I was writing the letters I sent you, dreaming up the happiness I was supposed to be having. Then I met Medele, Mr. Smiles as he was known around there, at one of the bars I was normally at. I stood out to him like a sore thumb. He came up to me, bought me a drink, 
and then started telling me about something called severing the lost in his broken English. He was scary enough as he was, with his mouth partially deformed in a way that made it seem stuck in an unflattering smile, let alone his talk of this weird ritual. Even so, I was lonely, and Medele didn't treat me the way I hated to be treated. We got to talking more and seeing each other here and there. Finally, one night, I started asking more questions about severing the lost. Medley got excited and told me I had to see it for myself. He continuously said, It's what you need, it's what you need. But he said that if he tried to explain it in further detail, he would only confuse me. So that night, Medele led me through the dark streets of the town and brought me to a stairway that led to the place where I could see the ordeal for myself. The stairs were beside a large apartment building, which was quite lively, actually. People were smoking and having conversations on balconies. Others were watching TV and others had music playing. The whole rest of the town seemed to sleep, but everyone there appeared to be awake. The stairs led down below this building. I remember there being a rank odor even before we began to descend. As we walked deeper, the odor took on two parts. One that remained rank and one that smelled of birth like of a hospital room with a mom carrying her newborn. I mean, I've never actually smelled that smell, but it's what I imagine it smelling like. Even more bizarre was this look that came upon Medele's face. Something about his smile changed in a way it never had before. Awaiting us at the bottom of the stairs was a sturdy metal door, obviously locked and opened from within. Medele gave a couple raps on the door, and then it opened. Inside this basement lair, we were greeted by a very friendly man. He wore black slacks and a black button-up shirt that was tucked in. He led us through a dimly lit hall lined on either side by dozens of crates that rested lengthwise against the walls. Then we came to a well-lit room where three other men and two women seemed to be waiting for us. They all wore different kinds of clothing. When we arrived, we were greeted eagerly. They not only seemed happy to see me, but excited. Medele went on to speak to the bunch in his native tongue. Then, before I knew it, the whole mass of people grabbed me. I screamed to Medele, but I don't remember ever seeing him again that night. I was so scared. At the time, I couldn't believe how foolish I had been. I was so unbelievably scared. I was tied down to a vertical table and gagged. A few minutes went by, and then a man dressed in red came in front of me. His skin looked old and aged, but his eyes looked incredibly young, and his hair was like crisp wax. He spoke English in a soothing voice and said, Hold your breath. One by one, the three men and the two women came before the man dressed in red. As each person came up to him, he swung his right hand across the neck. In the man dressed in red's hand was a short blade that easily severed each throat. The men and women piled upon the ground at the man dressed in red's feet. Blood poured everywhere. Then, without hesitating even a moment, he turned towards me, held my head up, and slit my throat. 
What do you mean he did the same to you? I said, unable to let Dime continue without losing myself to hysteria. He couldn't have. You're still here. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Dime forcefully grabbed my hand and placed it under her chin. I felt again the interlocking teeth of the binding. He did, she said. She spoke with such conviction that there was no way to doubt. I saw it in her eyes. I saw it in her flesh. I saw it in her life. She then continued her story. The last thing I remember before losing consciousness was a huge sliding door that was moved open, revealing a blazing furnace. When I woke, and I did awake, Medelay was sitting beside me, looking over me, and said, All new now. It all felt like a horrible nightmare, but I knew it was all true. I should have been terrified to see that man, but I wasn't. Everything was different when I woke up. I felt different. My sight was different. My smell was different. My hearing was different. I felt lighter. I felt safer. Medelay then walked me home, and I never saw him again. This was about two-thirds through the year. During the rest of the year, I felt so much better. It was as if time bowed to me and let me take each breath and each thought at my own pace. I had meaning again. How could you have had meaning? I interrupted again. You were kidnapped. They did something to you. You don't even know what. I was losing my mind just thinking about what happened to my friend. That's why I didn't want to get off the plane, Dime insisted, because I knew it would never be the same between us. I'm different now. Everything is so different now. But I knew I had to tell you what happened and convince you to go back with me. I just got so scared. I don't want to lose you, but you have to go back there with me. To get my throat slit? No way, I can't, Dime. Yes, you can. For us. I can't, I shouted. You can, Dime argued. I know exactly what they did to me. You didn't let me finish telling you. My remains are inside me. The remains of my lost self. Severed and cremated. The aging, withering, worthless part of myself is gone. Only the part of myself that matters remains, while the death of my lost self is carried inside me to complete my essence. I am a mixture of life and death, a living coffin. I am immortal. That's impossible, Dime. It's sadistic. There were others with you. It doesn't make sense. I don't know what to think. There needed to be six of us, Dime continued to explain. The man dressed in red can only sever the loss of six at a time, no more and no less. One of us each to hold together the six cardinal points, the six principal directions of three-dimensional space, so that we may remain alive within this realm and not move on to the next. I can't, I restated, not even listening further to her explanation. She had become a monster to me. A thick, hazy apparition of life that horrified me to the roots of my bones. I started backing away from her. Then I turned and ran. I heard her call my name, but it was only a distant irritation to my ears. I had spoken my last words to Dime. I sealed our relationship and buried it within the coffin of my mind, severing the lost.
That concludes episode 48 of The Dark Verse. Like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, there's thedarkverse.com, there's sharkchild.com, and there's sharkchildsremains.com. Visit me. Visit us. All stories on The Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. Listen to the talk first. Ah, oh, oh. the, 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 the,